episode of the Wobcast 2.0. Yours truly, Wobby, with you along with my partner and co-host, Giles. Lots to catch up on, lots to talk about today. As we near the completion of our position-by-position analysis of the Vikings and the NFC North, uh, right at the dawn of the 2023 regular season. Two preseason games down, one to go. We have preseason thoughts. We have thoughts on the safeties, and we'll preview next week's positional uh, breakdown, which is the cornerback. So let's get to all of it, and let's bring in Giles to help us do it. How's it going, bud? Hey, hey, how we doing? Happy Tuesday. I got purple flowing through my, ba- my veins. Uh, yeah. Football's back up and running. I'm super excited. Got to check out uh, U.S. Bank Stadium on Saturday for the preseason game. Got to go down on the field. Uh, man, oh, man, am I excited for football back to be flying again. Uh, speaking of uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, I saw that once again the the building and the atmosphere voted number one in the sports world for atmosphere. Um, I didn't read the full article, but I think I got the gist of it based on the headlines. And this is something that's happening to U.S. Bank Stadium on the regular. Mm-hmm. Uh, various entities who do these rankings, um, you know, with very favorable marks on U.S. Bank Stadium, and it's. The ones that they tend to score the best on Giles are not about the aesthetics of the mm-hmm. the exterior of the building. It's about the inside of the building and the the entertainment value and the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And so uh, props and kudos to some of my former colleagues uh, mm-hmm. with the Minnesota Vikings who are in charge of the programming and in charge of ramping up that atmosphere. Um, it's a task that requires a lot of uh, skill and intentionality. It doesn't just happen anywhere. So um, kind of fun to see the, the hometown building get good grades like that. Yeah, 100%. I think it really speaks to the whole Minnesota organization uh, as a whole because I think uh, in tandem with U.S. Bank Stadium, I still believe that TCO Performance Studio is maybe one of the best, if that if not the best sports facility in all of sports, at least in the country, if not the world, like just phenomenal experiences. Uh, I actually uh, hung out with Steve Reed, the the head of uh, experiences for the Vikings on Saturday. He gave me a tour of some suites and stuff. And uh, I mean, both from the people, the the place, like they have uh, a phenomenal formula and framework to providing some really, really great experiences. And I think, uh, you know, when you mix that with fans, you get the skull chant going. Uh, there's some really, really exciting things that get your blood pumping. So yep. uh, really excited for years to come. Uh, and if if anyone listening uh, hasn't been able to make it there, I highly encourage it, at least going to one game. I don't think there's a bad seat in the entire house. Uh, definitely uh, encourage you to check it out this upcoming season. Yep, well stated. I uh, I would second that. It's, um, it's, you know, as someone, you've been to a lot of sporting events yourself, Giles, and I've, I've been to all the buildings except for the very new ones, you know, that have just been open since 2020. Mm-hmm. So other than those, like uh, um, Allegiant Stadium in, in Vegas, I have not been to. Outside of that one, I got. I think I've been to all of them. And in terms of an atmosphere, noise level, uh, how engaged and how unified the home crowd is, I just don't know that you beat U.S. Bank Stadium. Um, there might be some that are right up there neck and neck with them, like Arrowhead in Kansas City mm-hmm. uh, is certainly that way. Uh, Denver can be that way. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, um, when the Bears are good, Soldier Field is sort of a house of horrors for teams mm-hmm. when when they're good. Yep. You know, and and then like like Dallas, beautiful building, top notch, mm-hmm. first class, but it doesn't have that edge, that bite for mm-hmm. the adversary in there. Um, and really, the same thing with Lambeau, historic and beautiful and 
nostalgic and all of that, but like you're not intimidated of the noise there. No. Um, but in like the Vikings, I think you are. It's 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 a factor for the opposing team, and the atmosphere is great. Um, I think the Saints are like that. I think mm-hmm. Seattle is like that as well. But um, you know, so a lot of a lot of buildings, maybe five, four or five of them, can be neck and neck with U.S. Bank Stadium, but none surpass it. Uh, so good, good for uh, the Vikings organization and for U.S. Bank Stadium to get those uh, those kudos. Um, anyway. Um, Glad that you were there to experience it, Giles. I'm sure you'll be to many more here as the, the season begins. Um, I will be at the week one game against Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah. Where there will be some old throwback classic uh, uniform inclusion. Hopefully for mm-hmm. Tampa, too, although I haven't seen if Tampa announced that. Are they wearing theirs as well? Uh, I don't know if they've announced it, but I'm really crossing my fingers for yeah. the creamsicle jerseys. Yeah, my that'd goodness. Be, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> throwback to time for the old NFC Central days. Right yep. before it was yep. the North, and you had the Vikings and Buccaneers in uh, in the same division. So anyway, yep. um, we got some business to tend to before that. Uh, we got to finish our positional uh, breakdowns, Giles. We, we've got two left corners and safeties. We're going to do safeties today, uh, and then we'll finish it with corners next week. And I think that's appropriate for us to do because I think you and I would both agree we are hopeful that there will be a little bit of uh, action taking place at the cornerback position before the season starts. I would identify Mm -hmm. that maybe as a a place for the Vikings to do some work and some business, Um, maybe acquiring a veteran, whether it be uh, someone on the street right now, someone who gets cut from another team or a trade. I would identify corner as a spot for the Vikings to maybe look at. So I think it's good that we've waited to do that one until last. Uh, we'll do mm-hmm. safeties today. But uh, before we get into the safeties, gals, are you vibing with me on, on the corner situation? Not that I hate what they have. I just think it's not quite a complete picture there. I could not agree more. I think uh, that's one of the biggest deficiencies on the team in terms of confidence going into the 2022 season or 2023 season rather uh when i think about a caleb evans for example i think he's a rising young star i think every single time he's stepped on the field he's gotten better to be honest i think he's he's uh has a a pretty high trajectory but with that being said he's had a pretty substantial issue with concussion he missed this last preseason due to a concussion and now i think this is maybe what the fourth or fifth concussion in the last 12 months if that persists I don't know how you can go into the season counting on him. All due respect, I think he's probably an awesome guy. Love his play when he's on the field. But if he's going to have concussions like this, that's that's a severe issue that I think you need to address. And based on what you've seen in training camp, he is more than likely going to be the starter. So if you're confident with that, I think uh, I would put some question and pause towards that. So uh, I really do expect them to make a move. Yep, I do too. And so uh, hopefully they do that before we record next week and we can include that player or players into our analysis um, but certainly an important position on the defense and an important position in Brian Flores' scheme. So um, we expect some movement there for the Vikings at cornerback. But uh, we'll analyze that once it happens. For now, we have the safeties, and that's who we're going to talk about today. Um, as for those who have uh, checked out all of these positional breakdowns, you know the drill. For those who haven't, this might be your first time listening. We're going to take a look at uh, the top three safeties for each team in the NFC North. We've given grades to each one of them and then to that room as a whole. And we'll stack them all up and see where the Vikings rank relative to their division opponents. We've done this with every position so far. And it's been an interesting way to learn about the other teams, learn about the Vikings, and sort of get a gauge on how strong is the roster uh, the whole roster heading into the 2023 season. So um, let's get into it now with the safeties. We'll finish the episode once we're done 
analyzing these safety scales with some preseason thoughts, uh, what we've seen so far, what we might want to see in the final preseason game. Well, we'll get that uh, to that toward the end. For now, those safeties. We'll start uh, with the Bears as we go alphabetically uh, through these um, players and teams. We'll go 10 points for the strong safety, 10 points for the free safety, and then five for the key backup uh, is the grading scale. So the Bears, I thought uh, I thought it interesting looking at the Bears um, position group here, Giles, because uh, um, I would be excited about it if I was uh, following the Chicago Bears. You have mm-hmm. Jaquan Brisker, uh, who's the strong safety, with a pretty good PFF grade last year, was a second-round pick uh, a year ago, and then played in 15 games uh, for Chicago last season, had uh, four uh, sacks and a pick. So I, I, he's, to me, a physical player who's okay in space but is very good in the box, and the mm-hmm. Bears don't blitz a ton. So I think, I think they're going to ask him to play in coverage a little bit more, and, I, and so I expect his ball production to go up a bit. Uh, but in those scenarios where you want a safety in the box to support the run or to blitz, he's a really good player. So um, a young player on the rise, uh, high draft pick last year, and, and showed out pretty well as a rookie, and I think will perform better with a season under his belt. I gave him a 7 on a scale of 0 to 10, uh, and definitely with the arrow pointing up. Uh, Eddie Jackson, uh, free safety for the Chicago Bears. Very good PFF grade last year uh, overall. Did miss five games a year ago, uh, but that's the most games he's ever missed in a season. And even with those five games missed, got his hands on four interceptions. Uh, sort of a do-everything tone-setter leader. Uh, came from Alabama and is a great tandem with Jaquan Brisker. I gave mm-hmm. Eddie Jackson a nine. I'm very high on him. And I have a story, uh, an Eddie Jackson story, Giles. This was back when we were still at Winter Park when Eddie Jackson came out. So I, I don't remember what year this would have been. 15 or 16 and um the war room at winter park was on the main level of the building and the studio where we recorded and did stuff on draft night and waited Mm -hmm. for the picks to be made and then rick and coach would come down we'd interview them and all that the studio was right was on the lower level of winter park in between the two weight uh weight rooms but as the building is lit was laid out the draft room was right above where we sat in the studio um, and we, we couldn't hear anything. It just, you know, you just knew that, you know, you sit in there on draft night and be like, it's crazy. Like the heartbeat of the organization right now is right above us, you know, and we're sitting, sitting there chilling. So um, the year Eddie Jackson is drafted, I can't remember who the Vikings, I'd have to go back and look this up, um, but um, I don't remember who the Vikings ended up with, but the Bears were ahead of the Vikings on the draft board, and Eddie Jackson was taken by the Bears, and I heard uh, I someone pounded the table, you know, the table or stopped their foot. Like th- that is an unusual sound to hear from the draft room, and it was right as Eddie Jackson was taken. And uh, come to find out, it was the head coach who wanted Eddie Jackson. And um, so I always paid pretty close attention to how, like, okay, Zim wanted this this guy. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see how he how he ends up. Doing. Oh, he's a mm-hmm. great player. He's a great player for the Bears, and I can see why the Vikings were so high on him. So, um, uh, great tandem here for the Bears with with Brisker and Jackson. A seven for Brisker, a nine for Jackson, and then uh, their key reserve. I think you could go with a number of players here for the Bears, guys. I went with Kendall Williamson, uh, seventh rounder this year. 
Um, it was DeAndre Houston Carson who filled in for Eddie Jackson last year when he was hurt, and he's no longer with the Bears. He's a free agent, actually. Um, and so the Bears are having a hard time right now identifying who this key reserve is. Uh, there's um, a few a few different options for them. I've identified Williamson as the guy for now, but I do think if they're unhappy with him that uh, DeAndre Houston Carson is someone they could sign uh, if they wanted to increase um, their uh, score here. But mm-hmm. uh, Williamson gets a one. So Brisker seven, Jackson nine is 16. One more for uh, Williamson. That brings the Bears to a 17. What say you? Hey, hey, well, we'll start with uh, Eddie Jackson. I could not agree more. I think he's one of the most elite safeties in the entire NFL. He's currently 28 years old. He's six foot even, 206 pounds. He was uh, drafted from Alabama in 2017, like you mentioned, in the fourth round. I think he was the 112th overall pick. Uh, he's had a pretty phenomenal career. He had a few down years between 2020 and 2021 throughout COVID, but he made a bounce back in a really strong way last year. I think he was the 13th overall graded uh, safety out of 88 qualified safeties. This guy is phenomenal. He's phenomenal overall defense. He's great in pass rush, great in coverage, great in run defense. This is exactly what you want in a safety. Uh, imagine if you could have him on the Vikings paired with Harrison Smith. That would be phenomenal. Now, I'm really high about the Minnesota Vikings room, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But I do give Eddie Jackson a 9 out of 10. I agree with you on that front. And then when I look at Jaquan Brisket, also another stud here. Uh, not as great as Eddie Jackson, but still a quality safety uh, on this front. He had a 67 overall grade last year. Uh, was even better in pass rush than Eddie Jackson. Uh, you know, above average in coverage, above average in run defense. And, uh, you know, I think he's 24, so he's a little bit younger than Eddie Jackson, six foot one, 200 pounds from Penn State. Uh, like you mentioned, was drafted in 2022 in the second round, 48th uh, overall selection, I believe. So really excited about his uh, upside as a, as a football fan, not necessarily as a Minnesota Vikings fan, yeah. uh, but I think a, a great uh, 1B to Eddie Jackson when filling out the safety room. Uh, I do give him a six with an upside that this could do it a seven or eight very easily if he uh, improves upon some of his uh, metrics there but uh, really excited about what he brings to the table and then specifically for the third safety I have Elijah Hicks and uh, I would say his biggest strong suit is in the run defense I think coverage could uh, um, you know improve a little bit he had a 63.2 grade last year and uh, he's 5'11 200 pounds from California Uh, you know I think there's some areas that he could improve but I did give him uh, you know a a three out of out of five which brings the the bears to an 18 out of 25. Okay. You know, for a defense, Giles, that uh, the Bears' defense was all right last year, I thought. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's getting better. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a a strong position group for them, I think. Um, If they can figure out, um, you know, who – who they can have as a key reserve there it's it's really a solid group for them it might be about as good a safety tandem as it gets in the nfl Mm -hmm. um nothing you can count on after that um so we'll see if they make a move to bring uh deandre houston carson back or not but brisker jackson uh very very impressive tandem Mm -hmm. all right we move on to the detroit lions uh, we'll start with Kirby Joseph uh, at mm-hmm. strong safety. Uh, third round pick a year ago, 17 games, 14 starts, four picks, two forced fumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Lions obviously very poor pass defense last season, uh, but they got better in the last maybe quarter of the season. And I think Joseph was a productive, positive part of that growth late. Um, maybe mm-hmm. some of his inexperience showed early in the season, and that contributed to a poor overall Lions pass defense, but I think his improvement coincided with the Lions getting better, a little bit better toward the end of the year. So young player, arrow pointing up uh, with Kirby Joseph, I gave him a six. 
on a scale of zero to ten. Uh, then we go to Tracy Walker uh, at free safety. Now he's a guy who graded better last year, maybe than some of the other players in the secondary. Um, but he only played in three games last year. So he played in the first three games, but then missed the rest. Has 37 starts in 62 games played, dating back to 2018. Never really with great ball production. Always just sort of been a guy. I don't think he's part of... If, if the Lions do something special, if the Lions generate great improvement or show great improvement as a defense this year, I think it will happen because someone has usurped Tracy Walker. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's just a hold-the-fort-down guy until someone can can take the job from him. Um, mm-hmm. Reliable, steady veteran who's not going to do anything special. You need someone to, uh, to take the job from him. So I gave mm-hmm. him a five. And the person who they would want to do that to take that job from Tracy Walker is who I've identified as the key backup, uh, which is Brian Branch, uh, second mm-hmm. rounder from Alabama this year. So the Bears have a talented safety from Alabama they took in 2017. Well, uh, the Lions did the same this year with Brian Branch in the second round. He's a second-team All-American at Alabama, filled up the stat sheet for Nick Saban, could do everything, um, had 90 tackles, seven pass breakups, three sacks, a guy who should take a starting position at some point this season. I certainly expect that to happen. Um, so on a scale of 0 to 5 for the key backup, I gave Branch a 5. I think he's exactly who you want in that position. Um, yeah, someone who's ascending with the arrow pointing up and who could be a, a, a catalyst for your defense. So uh, Joseph 6, Walker 5, Branch 5. That comes out to a 16, one small notch below the Bears for the Lions. There we go. Um, I will say when looking at the entire Detroit Lions safety group, they have some pretty interesting trends going on. I would say they're pretty phenomenal when it comes to pass rush, when it comes to coverage, but not so great in run defense across their entire safety room. So I think that's kind of an interesting trend that we'll we'll see how it translates in the 2023 season. Um, great for the Vikings if they want to run the ball. Uh, um, you know, I think uh, when I look at this room, I think it really speaks to maybe the run game for even Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I was just talking to a, uh, one of the, the guys that was in my suite on Saturday, uh, mm-hmm. Sam Nash. He runs a manufacturing firm in, uh, up north. And he was like, honestly, I think uh, the NFC North, uh, uh, run defense is so poor that he expects Ty Chandler to supersede Alex Madison and get like a thousand yards this season because yeah, yeah. he's so excited about what not only what Ty Chandler can do but also the the run defense uh, uh, competitors so to speak in the NFC North so I'm really excited yeah. to see how that translates uh, but when I think about the specifics um, CJ Cart uh, or CJ Gardner Johnson he's still on the lines isn't he uh, he is and I, I factored him into um, my analysis here, but I'm going to put yep. him in the corners. Okay. So okay, you, fair enough. If you put him in here to safety, I think that'd be interesting to hear uh, what you thought of him. They have okay. run him at safety yep. a little bit. I yep. expect them to play him at nickel, but you know mm-hmm. we'll see. What, we'll see what happens. That's a great point. I definitely did put him in my my observations here, but I think that's a great point. I think considering the the overarching lines defense, I think there's a strong likelihood that will happen. Um, so I guess yeah, we'll see how that that 
specifically goes because when I think about CJ Cardner Johnson, when, uh, when it comes to specifically the safety position, I did give him a seven out of 10. I'm really excited about him as a player. Obviously he's, uh, been a household name in the safety community across the U S. Uh, he obviously played for a whole number of teams, including the saints, the, the Eagles. Um, yeah, he did end up with a 65 grade last year. He, uh, I think it was battling some injury. He had a 72.4 grade in pass rush. He was pretty good in coverage run defense. Once again, was not super great, but in the other categories was good. Uh, he's still 25. So he's still relatively young he's six foot even 208 pounds from from florida he was drafted in 2019 in the fourth round uh, i do think he is a valuable addition to the lions defense when you think about the deficiencies of the detroit Lions across the board last year defense was definitely one of them i think through a portion of the season the Lions had the number one offense but their defense was like last so i think he'll he'll be one of the big pieces of why they bounce back this year in my opinion um so i did give him specifically a seven out of ten um you know obviously that'll get translated like you mentioned to the nickel um i think there's a whole variety of things that he can do on the field he's quite versatile but then specifically thinking about kirby joseph also really excited about him um i don't think he's as high as cj is in my head but he still had a 64 grade last year uh he's 22 years old 6'1 203 pounds from illinois I see a lot of free safety, like you mentioned, on his on his stat sheet. Uh, I think he's going to play a little bit of slot uh, as well. I think there's some versatility that comes with that, but I did give him specifically a 6 out of 10. Uh, I think there's room for him to grow, obviously, because he's still um, brand spanking new. So I think there's some really good upside with him where I expect that could go to a 7 or 8. I think uh, the Lions secondary is going to be uh, a really force to be reckoned with this year. Uh, and then specifically moving on to Tracy Walker for the depth piece. Honestly, this is maybe even a guy I'm most excited about when you think about the third safety. He had a 74.3 grade last year. He entered the league in 2018, and right out of the bat, he had an 89.8 grade. And wow. it has been pretty good ever since. He hasn't been as elite as his rookie season, but I think um, I think there's a chance that this gets better considering the other changes that have happened for the Detroit Lions. But this guy had a 4.51, four, uh, I believe, in terms of 40 times. He's from Louisiana, 206 pounds, 6'1". Six foot one. Uh, he's a little bit on the older side and he's almost 29 years old, but I'm really excited about what he can put on the field. And I did give him a five out of five for, uh, for a third safety, which brings the entire score to an 18 out of 25. Nice. Okay, good. I, you know, the, the lines are interesting here. My, my sort of overall note on them was, you know, Joseph is a ball hawk and branch could be a stud. Um, Walker is a stopgap placeholder who needs to be replaced eventually if this group is to be an asset. C.J. Gardner-Johnson is an option here, but I believe he'll be a nickel. So I think, you know, based on what you just said, Giles, and then that note from me, I think what you have here is defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn for the Detroit Lions mm -hmm. is going to have some autonomy certainly but some legitimate opportunity to be a little nebulous here and not be just cookie cutter standard the same thing every week and he'll be able to do that with actually talented players it's one thing if that's sort of who you are because you don't have anyone good so you're always trying to mask things and hide things and get by so you are nebulous for that reason but that's not the case here with the Lions. they have talent with brian branch and cj gardner johnson and you know who they signed was a player um, that we talked about this spring who I wanted the Vikings to think about it was cornerback Cam Sutton. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll save our corner analysis for next week, but um, that's a really good get for the Lions. And um, so they've got the ability here to sort of mix and match and be be different from week to week and really match up with whoever they're playing uh, on the other side of the ball. So mm -hmm. I, I see this as a, 
a strength of the Lions defense, this position. Um, with some young talent, they've got the steady hand uh, with Tracy Walker, but then aside from that, they've got young uh, players on the rise here with position flexibility, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson's a bona fide stud who can play two or three different positions. So a uh, very strong group here for the Detroit Lions. Um, mm-hmm. We'll move on to the Green Bay Packers, who um, also have some talent in the room, but um, I don't love their overall position uh, at, at safety here. So let, let's start with Darnell Savage, who's the household name of this group. And I think inside the world of Green Bay Packers football, I think Darnell Savage is probably a lightning rod player. That'd be my mm-hmm. guess. Um, to a much smaller extent, like like Kirk Cousins is in Minnesota, right? It's like you you lo- like you love Kirk Cousins or you don't believe in Kirk Cousins, and you have very specific strong reasons why, and you will not be moved off that position. On a smaller scale, I think that's the discussion about Darnell Savage in Green Bay. Um, interested to hear more from you on that, Giles, uh, particularly with some of the grades and how that breaks down. Mm-hmm. Promising rookie season, but has fallen off since uh, since then. Seems to be a very explosive athlete. Seems to have some swagger and some attitude that you want, but doesn't have a great fit on the defense and seems to make mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, especially in coverage. And so in reading and researching for this exercise, I I found Savage to be sort of a lightning rod figure uh, in Green Bay Packers territory. However, I did pencil him in as the starter. And you know how we say not all fives or sixes are like you give a player a six and you give one player a six and the arrow's pointing up and you feel really good about him, but another player you could be giving a six to and you kind of feel like he needs to be replaced eventually. So I ended up giving Savage a five, mm-hmm. you know, and I think if he realizes his true ability and potential, he's a much higher number than that. But mm-hmm. he's not a second or third year player. I mean, he's going on. I think I believe season five. So I, mm-hmm. he needs to have already realized that potential. So I gave him a five, and I, I think this is a really big year for him. Uh, you know, it's his. It's probably his last year in Green Bay, unless he completely balls out and they they extend him. They had a hard, a difficult contract decision with him this year. They wound up going with him, I think, for one more year. But I expect Savage to move on uh, after next season. He gets a five for me. All right. Um, Rudy Ford. Uh, nickname is Rudy. Uh, but uh, R- Rudy Ford, much better grade uh, for Ford than for Savage last year. Really solid experience. All-around player. Came up the hard way via special teams uh, and then earned a starting spot. Um, really fast, 4.3440 time coming out of Auburn. Had three picks last year. Can play on teams, can play on your defense. Leader, uh, knows the defense well. Um, everyone likes him. I gave uh, Rudy Ford a six. I think he's a really solid player to have on your team. And then um, the depth piece for me was Tavarius Moore. Again, uh, Green Bay is a team you could identify two or three different players to evaluate in this position. Jonathan Owens. Um, they have Anthony Johnson, who they just drafted, but I went with, with Tavarius Moore. Um, almost a 70 grade last year uh, for PFF. 69.9 is what he came in as. Third rounder for the 49ers in 18. So he came up with the Niners, a very good defense. Never was a full-time starter. Did start some games and played in a Super Bowl and had a pick 
of Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, uh, eventually moved away from the Niners uh, to the Green Bay Packers, uh, tore his Achilles in 2021, so he came back from that last year, should be fully back now. I think he's a key depth piece for Green Bay and someone who will probably start some games. I gave him a three on a scale of zero to five. So five for Savage, six for Ford, three more for Moore, and you get 14 for the Packers. There we go. Uh, well, I think my first take for the Green Bay Packers is that they have maybe the worst safety room in the NFL. Okay. Uh, when I look at, according to ESPN's depth chart, we have Jonathan Owens and Darnell Savage as the leading two safeties. Okay. Whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent, technically they were the two that had the most snaps last season, and they are uh, you know, the, the number one and number two for safeties, according to ESPN. Mm-hmm. So starting with Jonathan Owens, and honestly, Darnell Savage, neither of them scored above a 50 PFF grade last year. And in fact, out of 88 qualified safeties, those two were basically the, the worst two safeties in the NFL, oh. uh, unfortunately. So that is not a great look for the Green Bay Packers, but I think there may be a trend forming for the entire Green Bay Packers organization. I feel like they have a lot of positions in which, or position groups rather, that are, are in the declining posture. So uh, I think they have a little bit of turning around to do. But when I think specifically about Jonathan Owens, uh, this guy is not young. He's 28 years old, 5'11", 210 pounds from Missouri Western State, was drafted in 2018. He did have a decent year in 2021, but in 2022, he had a 48.3 grade. Not great at all. Uh, he played mostly as a free safety, um, was pretty abysmal at pass rush, even worse in coverage and even worse than that in run defense. So not really much that he brings to the table pass rush. I mean, his best grade was a 61.4 grade in, in pass rush. So I don't see a lot of upside with him and he's not getting any younger. So I think this is definitely one of those categories in which you need to be actively looking for a replacement. But uh, with that, I did give him a five with a declining five. I almost gave him a four, but I didn't want to be mean. So uh, <laughs> did give him a five out of 10. Oh, nice guy, uh, sorry. Yeah, well, of course that's my middle name. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately the, that doesn't pair well either with um, you know Darnell Savage because he is actually uh, just a little bit worse than uh, Jonathan Owens. He had a 47.5 grade and he had a decent year in 2022, but ever since then it's been decline and then decline again. Um, you know he is he's played uh, all around the the board when it comes to the secondary. He's 26 years old, so he's a little bit younger. He's 5'11", 198 pounds from Maryland. He was drafted in 2019, obviously in the first round. Honestly, like you mentioned, I think this is the same thing where this might be his last year in Green Bay. I think they need to be actively looking for a new uh, safety room because these two are almost unplayable when you think about putting great safeties on the field. And I'm usually of the opinion that you can find safeties or find average safeties. Like they're not a hard commodity in contrast to something like a corner or a quarterback. So I see them making some moves, even potentially before this this season. I, I see them making some moves because... I would not feel comfortable if I was their coach going into the season with these two. So I did give him also a five out of 10. Um, not, not a great look, uh, unfortunately, but then that's when you uh, lean into Rudy Ford. I think he is the, the knight in shining armor when it comes to the, the safety room. He at least was not a train wreck in most capacities. In fact, he did have a 74.6 grade last year. Uh, his his biggest commodity was in uh, coverage, was really re- great in coverage, not great at pass rusher and run defense, but put him in coverage and he was doing pretty good. Um, he's six foot, even 100 or 210 pounds from Auburn. Uh, he is almost 29 years old. So this is one where he's doing pretty well, but I think there's an age cliff that might be right around the corner. So although you might be able to get some productivity out of him this year, I think you need to be actively looking for a replacement at the third safety spot as well. So all that to say, I think the, the Packers are in trouble. Uh, I did give him uh, specifically a four out of five because he's not doing too bad, but I think that could 
could pretty severely and pretty quickly become a, a three, two, one uh, in yeah. the not too distant future. So uh, with that, we have a 14 out of 25 for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, we end up on the same number. We got there slightly different, but we end up with the same grade, and it's just not good enough. Uh, I, I will no. say, the I don't want to call it a silver lining because I think that's too positive. You're right, Giles, that they need to turn this position group around. I think there's a chance they have the bodies in the building who can do it. It's just mm-hmm. those guys aren't ready yet. I, I don't think they're ready to turn it over to those guys yet, um, mm-hmm. but we'll see. But I think even if, well, if Rudy Ford's your depth piece, which you you have him, that's where you have him, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's really good. Like, you're strong mm-hmm. if he's your key guy. The problem is they're not strong at, with the starters, and their key depth piece would probably be an upgrade at, as a starter. So that's mm-hmm. the problem that Green Bay is in. Um, you know, they do have uh, a seventh rounder named Anthony Johnson who's been impressive in camp, according to some of the reports I read, but I don't think he's going to be ready to play. Um, and then Jonathan Owens, who's um, not a young pup anymore, he's got a few years under his belt, um, is a guy you could pencil in, and maybe he would get better if you played him, but you'd have to you'd take some you'd take some licks while you were playing him and, and getting him better. So not mm-hmm. not a great group here for the Packers, and uh, probably a position group where when you're game planning as an offense, getting ready for Green Bay, you want to expose this group. Um, so Green Bay is going to have to figure out a way around that uh, in 2023. Mm-hmm. All right, Minnesota Vikings at safety for the last decade has began and ended with one man, and that is Harrison Smith. Harry the Hitman. I don't care what PFF says, Giles. I think he's a stud, and I think he still is, and I think he's a leader on this defense, and he's going to be this year. And, in fact, I think the um, the Brian Flores addition for the Vikings might be benefit Harrison Smith more than as much as anyone else on the defense because Mm. it it stimulates him it forces him to um, change a bit and it forces Flores to change what he normally does because he's got a player like Harrison Smith and he's like I know I normally do this but now I got this guy so maybe I can do this a little bit more and then Harrison Smith is like I know I always operate this way but now I've got Flores so maybe I should try this a little bit more so I think it's a great union uh this Flores Harrison Smith thing is awesome for the Vikings defense. Can't wait to watch what it looks like uh, in games. So um, I'm very uh, bullish on Harrison Smith and the Vikings defense being a, and Brian Flores being a good fit. Um, some may think he's lost a step. That may or may not be true. We'll find out. I think Brian Flores is going to have a plan to get around that if it is true. Um, so I, I think this is a, a thumbs-up positive component of the Vikings defense. Uh, Harrison Smith still gets an 8 uh, in my book. Cam Bynum, on the other hand, uh, I still have him slotted in as the other starter. I expect mm-hmm. that to change, if not by week one very soon after. However, for now, it seems to be Cam Bynum. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not super excited about that. You know, I think you can get by with Cam, um, but I don't think you love it. He was just okay from a PFF standpoint last year. I think he's the guy you target on this defense um, when it comes to pass coverage. So I think you want Josh Metellus to supersede him on the depth chart and earn a starting position ASAP. Until then, um, you have a four um, in this in the in the free safety spot. I gave Bynum a four. Um, however. Um, Josh Metellus, who's the key depth piece, I gave a five. Uh, I really like him. Uh, Giles, we've talked about Josh Metellus a number of times. 
this offseason when we were talking about how did the Vikings get to be a top five, top three defense. Uh, we talked about Josh Metellus quite a bit. He's a, he's, he'd be a key component there. If the Vikings can get him to take that next step and become a solid starter, I think the defense is well on its way to uh, improving substantially in 2023. Um, I'll let you get into the grades for Metellus. Very good grades last year. Um, a sudden and fast riser. I think uh, he's come up a good way through special teams. I love safeties coming up uh, through special teams. I think it's very good for their development and their career arc. Uh, very good in coverage and uh, someone who assumed a leadership slash captain role last year uh, when he was thrust into the starting position because of injuries. So um, I'm very, very uh, uh, bullish on Josh Metellus as well. So Smith, eight. Bynum four, Metellus five, you add that up, you get a 17, which is tied for the highest in the division with the Chicago Bears. Boom, boom. I am so excited about the Minnesota Vikings safety room here because uh, we'll talk about the top three, but I will throw in some some additional players to, to be some low-key additional uh, things yeah. to think about because... I think Quesito Fomenza is going to have a really difficult time when putting together the final 53-man roster because there's people that I would like to keep, and I think that may not necessarily be what they do because of politics, uh, but we'll get that in here in a second. Okay. Um, uh, I do think, uh, before I get into the individuals, I do think under a Brian Flores-led defense, I think there will be a team of specialty where I think someone like Cam Bynum brings certain skill sets to the table. And that contrast to someone like Harrison Smith or Josh Metellus or some of the other players, I think each of them have very unique skill sets. And I think they might be brought in, in in very specific circumstances versus to be generalists and to play every snap. I think there's going to be a lot of changing out. And when they know it's going to be run, they're going to put this guy in. If they know it's going to be a pass, it's going to be this guy. Yeah. Obviously, there's some educated guesses involved, but I really... I really see a lot of versatility in changing people in and out in that fashion. Uh, but in terms of the actual uh, analysis here, we're going to start with Harrison Smith. He's the typical Harrison Smith. I still think he's got it. I think uh, the fact that we re-signed him and, and made sure he was under contract for this year confirms that Brian Flores can do a lot with him and, and anticipates a lot from him. I do think he took a step back under a, uh, a previous regime last year. I do expect him to completely bounce back because when you look at all the leading indicators, he was the same old player. He just wasn't used correctly. So I do expect him to get significantly better. Um, he is 34 years old, which is very old for a safety. I will say that he's 6'2", 211 pounds uh, from Notre Dame. Obviously, he was drafted in 2012, but he's had basically mid 70s to high 80s even a couple times having a 90 pff grade he has been an elite safety for over a decade this guy is phenomenal uh harry the hitman obviously everyone in minnesota knows him everyone in the country knows him he is he's a force to be reckoned with and i do expect him to come back i think his his absolute skill set is in pass rush and coverage so i think uh, if we can leverage that uh once again this season i think we're gonna have an amazing an amazing story to tell at the end of the season so i do give him an eight out of ten i think there's even an upside for him to go to a nine in a brian flores led defense when i think about the, the way that brian flores uses pressure i think you're gonna see a lot from harry so really yeah. excited to see what that looks like yeah and yeah. you know brian flores you're right the way he uses pressure and and then harry's ability to execute that but also his ability to disguise that uh, yes is very good um i i think it's a great fit uh harrison smith and flores is a great fit for as long as harry physically can do it and can play at the level we're used to seeing him play at i think it's a great fit it might be one season it might be two or three i don't know 
you're right, he's getting long in the tooth from an age standpoint, but um, he's got some of those intangibles that would allow him to survive father time a little bit longer than some other players. So, mm-hmm. yeah. In fact, I think I'm going to make a prediction right here and now. I do think this is Harrison Smith's last season as a Viking. Yeah. I think that's not because he is a train wreck in any capacity, but I think his his curve will start to go down after this season. Whether he has one, two, or three seasons left in a in a productive fashion, that might be the case. But I think because of his cost and because of his age, I think we'll be forced to move on from him. Maybe yeah. I'll be proven wrong, but I do think this might be his last year in, as a Viking um, because of the reason I mentioned, but also because of the depth, which moves on to uh, currently the, the second safety, which is Cam Bynum. I think he did leave a little bit to be desired last season. I think his his uh, season before that, I was even higher on Cam Bynum because I think he put a lot of great things on the field. So I think he might be another victim of uh, uh, you know the old Vic Fangio system that didn't necessarily play well here. So I do expect an uprise in, uh, in and from him. He did do very well against the run last season. So he had a, a 74.1 grade against the run. He played every single snap on defense last year. So this guy's a very durable, awesome dude. I actually yeah. got to give him a high five at the game on Saturday, he went up and uh, saw his family, came up to our, our suite on the turf, and uh, he just a happy-go-lucky guy. He had just a, a blazing smile coming from his face, so I'm really excited to, to see if he can translate that energy back into football and, and increase his productivity in this upcoming season because I think he does need to improve a little bit in coverage. I think, like I said, he had a, an issue last season, but when you reflect back to 2021, he had a 78.3 grade uh, in defense, so he was much better the season before. So if we can get back to that true posture, we're going to have a phenomenal pairing in that regard. Yeah. So if he can get back, I, I'm definitely a fan of him staying on the field, but with that being said, that move moves to Josh Metellus. Before I get there, I will say I did give Cam Bynum a 6 out of 10, but I think that could go up to an 8 out of 10 if he gets back to his 2021 posture. So uh, really, really excited about that. But even more exciting is Josh Metellus. I think this cannot go understated enough. This guy's a dude. No one's talking about this guy, but when you look at every (laughs) safety in the 2022 season, there was specifically um, 88 qualified players and he was the second best safety in the entire league out of everyone that played at least 20 percent of snaps he was the second best only behind ryan neal from seattle yeah with an is that the 85.1 pff grade is that yes yep 85.1 he was great in run defense even better in tackling even better in pass rush and by far and away the best in coverage this guy's phenomenal obviously mid-season he was voted in as a captain i think this is a a pillar of the vikings defense moving forward throughout the next years to come i'm really excited about him i also got to see him in person on saturday and that was another super happy-go-lucky very positive guy uh most people maybe didn't recognize this but it was kirk cousins birthday on saturday and kirk cousins came out and uh for warm-ups and josh metellus came up behind him and like snuck up and yelled to the whole crowd it's kirk's birthday and started the the happy birthday chant like this guy is a is a real personality in the locker room and i think that directly translates onto the field as well he has a chemistry on and off and I'm just really excited about that. So I'm really hoping that we can put together three safety sets and I've seen it in training camp thus far. And I'm really excited to see that translate into the regular season. But as many times as we can get Josh Metellus on the field, the better. I'm really, really excited about him. So I did give him a five out of five for a backup safety. Now, with that being said, I'm going to mention three other players and this is where I'm really struggling Yes. uh, because I think I have an opinion of who I want to keep, but I don't think that's what's going to happen because I think we're only in a position to keep five safeties as a, as a team because of how many other deep position groups we have on the team. And we only can keep, 
keep 53 people, period. 53 players, period. Mm-hmm. We have Theo Jackson, Lewis Seen, and Jay Ward. Now, obviously, starting from the back to the front, Jay Ward was drafted this year. It was a fourth-round pick. So that's not nothing. That's a fourth-round pick. He's from LSU, obviously, has that versatility between a cornerback and a safety. Uh, we talked about him. There's some pretty high upside that comes with him. Um, so we'll talk about that. Lewis Seen, obviously, is a first-round pick from last year, the 32nd overall pick. Uh, has left a lot to be desired. Um, he obviously got hurt last season. He has not done well in training camp. He did somewhat okay in the in the preseason games, but uh, not putting a ton of great tape on the field. And then Theo Jackson. Theo Jackson was drafted in 2022 uh, as well. He was a sixth-round pick, though. He's putting together much better tape, both on training camp and the preseason. Last season, although he didn't play a ton of snaps, he still had an 85.0 grade. He was phenomenal in coverage. Uh, I wouldn't say super great in run defense, but amazing in coverage. And if you only have two additional spots behind the main three that we talked about, you have to pick between Theo, Lewisine, and Jay Ward. If I'm looking at the performance, I'm picking Jay Ward and Theo Jackson, but I don't think you can cut Lewisine. He's a first-round pick. No. Nor do I think you can keep six safeties. I just don't think our roster allows for it. Well, oh, man, this is... A great example, Giles, of the discussions that happen, not just with the GM and the coach and the coaches, but like I think back to my time with the Vikings standing around the sidelines at practices this time of year, mm-hmm. you know, with PA or Lieber or Bursich or whoever you're sitting there, or my, you know, my my coworkers at the Vikings, you're sitting there being like, all right. Five safeties, six corners is eleven. We you know we we only get twenty five on defense, so we got six corners and five safeties. That's eleven. So now we got fourteen more. Let's do five linebackers and this like you're you're doing this numbers game constantly, mm-hmm. okay? And I think what ha- what can happen is if you're not careful, is you can get too caught up in the parameters of the numbers of how many you should allow for each position. Mm-hmm. And then you end up cutting a player that deserves to, to make it just mm-hmm. because you can only have five safeties, right? And yep. like, you know, with receivers, it was always like most teams five, some will have six, but never seven, right? Yep. But it's like, but, you know, you got this Stefan Diggs kid, this fourth rounder from Maryland who really looked good in camp and he's not ready to play, but you can't cut him. It's like, if you live by the hard and fast rule that you can only have five or six receivers, you might cut Stefan Diggs as a rookie, right? Yep, that's so, a great point. Um, I think you're you're bringing up uh, probably something that's getting talked about a lot at TCO with those players. And so I think if you feel strong enough about someone like Theo Jackson, I think you find a way to keep him. Yeah, because I think I, he would definitely make a 53-man roster if you cut him. He would get yeah. picked up by someone else immediately. So – even if it's like your intention is not to roster him on game day, mm-hmm. your intention is to find a way to stash him on the practice squad once the season starts. I mean, because like the, the thing is, you know, you should probably keep seven or eight offensive linemen. That's what they say. Mm-hmm. So you last year we kept ten, right? Or nine. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's say you, you you keep nine. Yep. Are you really going to argue? that that ninth offensive lineman is a guy you should keep over someone like Theo Jackson. I mean, based on our current roster, I would say no. How can you, you can't, right? You can find a ninth guy. If you really need nine in week three, you got to get down to your ninth guy for a backup to the backup on game day, sign someone off the street and keep Theo Jackson. 
You know what I mean? Correct. Yeah. So yep, your season's already over if you're down to your ninth yeah, offensive lineman. <laughs> so I don't mean to be flipping about the other positions, but I, I think what you're identifying is you're identifying Giles players who have looked good to you um, in games or in practices, and you owe it to your scouts, your coaches, and yourself and your team to keep the good players and not mm-hmm. be constrained by the, you know constructed ideas that you can only have a certain number of guys at every position. Now, with that being said, you can't keep, you know, seven safeties. That's too many, right? You can't keep yeah. them all. You yeah. got to make hard decisions, but um interesting to hear your your feedback and, and input on that. They're probably having that discussion as we speak right now. Mm-hmm. Um and I think you got to find a way to keep good players. You know, you got to fill out special teams rosters, you got to cover kicks. Um injuries are going to happen and I think you got to find a way to keep your best 53 and got to kind of try to throw the numbers out the window as best you can. So we'll see what happens at that position group. You know, I think I'm going to throw another name into it too, Giles. I mean, I think Najee Thompson has kind of flashed a few times too, and he plays in this position group, and I'm not going to advocate for him necessarily having a a spot on game day. But, I mean, I think he's a guy that if if you cut loose, someone might like him too, you know? He's also looked pretty phenomenal, especially in the preseason. He uh, was the guy that uh, had his helmet fall off in the last uh, yeah. preseason game. Uh, he's a baller as well. I really like his attitude. I, I think he's another guy that definitely needs to be thought up, uh, put into the mix. Yeah. So kudos to the Vikings for finding a lot of good players. They're all at the safety position that we're talking about right now, but these are problems that good teams have. Um, so um, that's... It's good that the Vikings are in that position. It'll be interesting to see who they end up keeping. Uh, you know, um, the more of these guys, though, that you can – I mean, these guys are football players, Giles. The, the, these guys are out there making plays, doing the hard work, running down covering kicks, covering punts, playing in a Brian Flores defense that requires more than just 11 players. Like, you, you Brian Flores wants to mix and match and mm-hmm. play weird – personnel groups and um you know you need lots of different types of players to do that and the vikings have that at safety so hopefully they can keep as many of them as possible um did you end up at 17 for the vikings or what was the number you ended up with oh uh great call out i actually had a 19 19? out of 25 i actually think they're the best safety group in the nfc north okay so you have them at 19 and were the bears second at 17 uh, the Bears were at 18. They were at second. I did have the Lions at 18 as well. I got there a little bit differently. And then the Packers at the last place at a 14 right. at 25. So we, we pretty much aligned there. I had uh, the Vikings and Bears at 17, Lions at 16. So neck and neck with those three teams and the Packers, uh, you know, a good click behind uh, the mm-hmm. rest of the division at the safety position. But, you know, overall, I look at the talent level at safety, guys, and I think it's pretty good in the NFC North. I think there are some good players. I love Brisker and Jackson in Chicago. I think the Lions have some upside players uh, in their group, and uh, we just spent 20 minutes talking about the Vikings. So a pretty strong position group overall for the NFC North, and the Vikings are right at the top um, in that position group. So uh, arrow pointing up for that part of the Vikings defense. All right. Um, we will wrap up the uh, position by position analysis for the NFC North next week with the cornerbacks. That is going to be a tall task because it's uh, it's a big room this time of year. Uh, you can have 10, 11, 12 corners on your roster at a time. Uh, so Giles and I will do our best to identify the top uh, four or so, and then uh, we'll, we'll see how the teams stack up and where the Vikings rank relative to the rest of the division 
at the cornerback position next week. Before we wrap up this episode, though, guys, let's get to a couple of uh, preseason news, notes, and nuggets. Uh, some thoughts on the two preseason games and what you want to see in preseason game number three. Uh, anything top of mind for you? Yeah, um, I got a couple different notes here. Uh, first, Ivan Pace Jr. Yeah. continues to get better. I think uh, he had a few snafus in the last preseason game where he gave up a few uh, big plays, but I think that's a little bit of a, a tweak in technique, and I think those gets prevented. I do think his his number one deficiency as a player is run defense, but I think that is something that can be covered up with. But with that being said, every other category he's doing phenomenally he is by far and away better than anyone out of could have hoped uh, especially as an undrafted free agent i do expect him to start honestly going into the season after seeing him in person he's a lot smaller than i thought he was and i already thought he was small but he more than makes up with that with his gumption and uh, his technique that he puts on the field especially in coverage and pass rush i think he led the teams in pressures if i'm not mistaken for this last preseason game he wore the green dot for at least half the game really excited about ivan ivan pace jr uh i mean what a find my goodness yep. You know what, gals? We didn't really even I, – I didn't talk about him much in the linebacker position group. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a fast riser here. And I. Mm-hmm. this is one where truly I think if I was at TCO every day watching the spring practices, I might have picked up on this one, you know, seeing mm-hmm. him every day. Yep. Um, but now that we do get to see him almost every day uh, with pre- training camp reports and then preseason games, uh, yeah, fast riser, going to start – my prediction on pace would be that comparing him to Kendricks, I think he will have more games with a higher grade relative to Kendricks. Kendricks' mm-hmm. season-long grade might be steadier, and I mm-hmm. don't think Kendricks will have the troughs that pace might have. But mm-hmm. when it comes to ceiling potential peaks, I think pace outpaces Kendricks in that regard easily. Uh, this yep. season and is an upgrade over Eric Kendricks. And I don't know if it's fair to compare that if, if the team even would, if they would play the exact same role in a Brian Flores defense. I'm not sure, but I'd rather have Ivan Pace and his potential than Eric Kendricks and what I would be guaranteed with him. So yep. very impressive. Um, I'm going to go to the other side of the ball for someone who stood out and it's for the second preseason in a row. And it's Ty Chandler, uh, who you yeah. already mentioned um, in this podcast. I mean, at some point, it's not just like a happy-go-lucky, fun preseason story. At some point, it's like he's good. Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. when when is it like no longer? Oh, Ty Chandler's popping in practice today. Oh, Ty Chandler had a good preseason game. It's like, yeah, he's just good. He's Ty good. Chandler is just good. That's what I think. Yep. And um, he gets a ton of yards and production after contact. Mm-hmm. I love. He runs with a low center of gravity. I think he can catch. I mean, and he's been doing that behind uh, a number two offensive line. Imagine if you yeah. put him in front of the starters. Yeah, I mean, I it's not about him making the team in the fifty three. I think he's going to get no. playing time. I think he's going to start by at least midseason. Yeah. I really do. So yeah, he's a guy that stood out. Um, Nikhil Harry didn't play. He did, did like, not he, play. Had a he, soft t- tissue injury or something. Yeah. Do you think he made the team, though? So it really depends on the breakdown because the other factor in that is Jalen Naylor, who also didn't play, who has been out of the the training camp rotation for the last couple weeks because of a a leg injury, I believe, because 
if Jalen Naylor can't make it under the 53 because of injury, I think that will be obviously great for Nikhil Harry, especially because Nikhil Harry is, for all intents and purposes, the size of a tight end. I believe he's actually bigger than Irv Smith Jr., a former tight end for the Vikings. Like, he's a big dude. And if you operate with our similar philosophy that we explained all offseason, that the Vikings are going to run a ton of 12 personnel, you want a heavy set. I think Nikhil Harry definitely fits into that and the ability to block. He might be the best blocking wide receiver on the team. I think that that carries a lot of weight with this team this year. Now, that, with that being said, if Jalen Naylor comes back, or maybe even today, if he can come back and get back into the rotation, I think that might mean the end of Nikhil Harry for this season. But if not, I think he can squeeze onto the team. Okay, interesting. This this whole, like, the back end of the wide receiver conversation is one that is pretty standard for this time of year. Like, the, mm-hmm. the last two wide receivers to make the team usually is pretty hard to peg. It really comes down to a, like, what flavor what's your favorite flavor of ice cream mm-hmm. like ice cream is yep. good everyone loves it but we all like different flavors right so mm-hmm. that's that's totally what wide receivers four five and six is is about and mm-hmm. you don't know what the team's going to do unless you're there watching practices every day so mm-hmm. it's just uh, it could go either way it looks and feels to me like they like Nikhil harry that's mm-hmm. i think they like him so um yep. last one here on an individual level uh hawkinson Mm-hmm. I think this is a contract thing. That it I has mean, to be at this point. Okay, yeah. So we're we're aligned there. I mean, I think this is totally a contract thing. He's not doing a poor job with his interviews, but he's nope. not doing a great job either. Like it, yep. I, it's a con- like they're he's not practicing because he's waiting for a contract, and that's his prerogative. He can do that. Yeah. Yep. You know, everyone's got to look out for themselves. Yep. Uh, he's earned. He's earned a payday, and I'm sure the Vikings agree with that. They just got to find a number that makes sense. But I do believe yep. that once he gets a new contract, his injury will magically go away. I completely agree because I've never had an actual ear infection before, but it feels pretty outlandish to me that it would have lasted this long and affected this much play. And even if we're being a little bit psychoanalytical and reading body language from the preseason game, TJ Hawkinson was there and I've seen him before in person and he's usually a pretty bright like leadership type guy on the team and he had his his uh, hoodie over his head and like had the strings pulled tight and he was kind of sitting off in the corner and I thought that was very atypical for someone like TJ so I'm really hoping we can get that resolved and uh, obviously get it resolved before the preseason or for the regular season because I think there's also other shoes to drop or other people we'd like to sign and I think from a respect respect standpoint we want to get the TJ Hawkinson deal done first and then hire or sign the subsequent players. So I think that's a very pivotal next step for the Vikings. Yeah. I would expect the deal to be done there before week one, and, and Hawkinson yes. will be in the fold, healthy and ready to go. Um, and, you know, he knows this offense, and he fits with Cousins, and I'm not really concerned about that. It might take a game no. or two to, like, hit full stride, but um, no concerns there. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, last one for me. Vikings signed a, qu- a quarterback, uh, yes. Jordan Tiamu, uh, XFL. Yeah. Uh, college standout and then and then played in the XFL. Make anything of that? Is it someone to throw passes in the last preseason game so Mullins yeah. doesn't have to play or what you know, what is it? I think uh this could be one of two things. I think uh well first of all he was the XFL player of the year. So this guy is no slouch. He he has professional reps playing football. Um, so either this is one, Jaron Hall is not necessarily what they want him to be, or he's not progressing as much as he would like. So when you think about the new quarterback rule, if they're going to carry another quarterback on the roster, they wanted someone that can be productive. And if they're not confident in Jaron Hall, this could be a replacement to QB three. And then Jaron Hall moves down the, the depth chart. 
I think, uh, you know, uh, Jaron Hall did do much better in the last preseason game. So I think he is progressing. It's just whether or not the Vikings think he's progressing enough to be able to be rosterable. The second would be, honestly, Nick Mullins. I loved him in the first preseason game. The second preseason game, I was much less impressed. Now, I think the offensive line was much more abysmal, which definitely can play a factor in things. But I was like, man, if you're thinking about the upside, which I've always thought about a QB2, if you get your 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 quarterback hurt, your QB1 hurt, if you just put in a slappy, your season's over, right? You're, you're losing that game 10 times out of 10 versus someone like Nick Mullins. I'm like, he's a guy that's going to try to push the ball down the field. There's a chance he's going to throw a lot of picks, but he's yep. going to at least swing or die trying, right? Yep. And I think about uh, the, the qualities of a QB2, I'd much rather have that versus a guy that just... Is a, is a body, right? I'd much rather have a guy that's willing to sling it. If he throws a pick, you're going to lose anyways, right? At least give it a try. And I saw much less of that in the last preseason game. Now, obviously one game sample size, but if the Vikings are seeing the same thing, there's a chance that maybe he's competing to try to be a much higher upside QB2. I don't know, just uh, an initial thought, but uh, really interesting that they bring in someone this late in the game uh, that has such we'll call it high pedigree from the XFL. So yep. really interesting move by the Vikings. Yeah, it is interesting. And I think you make a good point about like he's got actual professional chops. And, yes. you know, and he wasn't like a starter for a team in the XFL. And they were like, he was the player. The Like he was the guy. He was the guy. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's him in the XFL. Yep. So um, I don't think it's nothing and simply a camp arm. I think it's something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't truthfully research and read into it enough. I don't know why. The, what was with the timing? Why now? Why? Why hadn't anyone else signed him? I don't know if there's some weird um, contractual component to it, and there was a bidding war form. I don't know the details. Again, if I was in the building, that might be something we could get our hands on. But um, yep. interesting to watch. I don't think it's nothing. I don't think it's an indictment on Hall or Mullins. But I, it's it's not a vote. If you're them, it's also like it's not a vote of confidence, certainly mm-hmm. either. You know, so yep. I think there was a path for either Mullins or Hall where they could have performed in a certain way that it would have pre, it would have prevented the signing from happen happening. Yes. Yep. So I I think it's a an an attempt to get better. Yep. I think across every NFL team, if they sign someone this late in the game, it's because they are not 100% confident in the depth. Yes. Now, that may not be that they hate the depth, but they're not super confident in it, and they want to see if they could get better. Yep. Is there, if there's a way for them to level up, they're going to give it a try. Yep, exactly right. All righty. Any, uh, any other things you got to get off your chest, gals, before we wrap it up? I think that covers it. I'm really excited for this week. The Arizona Cardinals are in town. Ironically, I believe it's going to be hotter here and more humidity here than it in, in that Arizona. is in uh, Arizona. Absolutely. So uh, really excited to see what that can be uh, uh, for, for the Vikings to, to kind of get that last little uh, jolt of exercise and training before the actual regular season. I'll be there on Thursday to go take a peek. So really excited to see what Kyler Murray, Murray does against our defense. All righty. Well, enjoy that. And uh, for those going to the uh, final preseason preseason game enjoy the game as well um once that happens we'll uh we'll take some notes and we'll have some more thoughts for you uh next week when we come back on another episode of the wobcast 2.0 and then also in that episode we will complete our position by position breakdown of the nfc north and we'll do that with the cornerbacks i'm excited to to take a look at that guys we're going to have to connect off air and align on uh the structure of this on how many and what the grading scale is and uh, we'll see how we think each team is going to construct 
their cornerback room and how good that room is, see where the Vikings stack up relative to the rest of the NFC North. That's it for today. Um, we hope you like, subscribe, and follow the Wobcast 2.0. You can do that wherever you follow all your other favorite podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and, of course, you can find us on YouTube as well. On behalf of Giles, this is Wobby signing off for now. Until next time, Skull Vikings.